Episode number 428. So it's really about helping these kind of online publishers make more out of their revenue, understand more deeply what is going on, the entire revenue operations, but also at the same time, keeping the user in mind, understanding what impact does all of this have right. on my end user. Welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Hoff, where we talk about life, dreams, social media, and business. Well, hello and welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Huff. Folks, I hope you're fired up today. I hope you're ready to get fired up for this energy that we're going to bring to you today. Whenever you're listening to nights, weekends, mornings, you know, the best thing about podcasts, you can listen whenever and wherever. Uh, but today, I think you don't want to think about your revenue, that money line, whether you got multiple streams of revenue, whether you got one stream of revenue, whether you try to find new revenue, real important to know where you're at daily. And I love real time. That's why when I visit real time outsource, we, we love the idea that you can have these things happen in real time. And we are bringing you my man that is doing it today. Mr. Niels Lind. Niels, are you ready to be real? Yeah, perfect. Let's get started. Let's get started, he says. Uh, so he, you are the founder of Assertive Yield. We'll get into the business, talk about everything you're doing for, for revenue, tracking it down. I was checking the website out today. Uh, you're all in one revenue solution. I love that. Acquire more traffic, scale with data in mind. Um, Telly, before we get into that, were you always into business? Were you always into uh, uh, marketing, creating things and selling them or, or building them? Pretty much like even when I was still going to school, I would already start basically the first business along the side um, back then, actually, like in the gaming space, turning like a community of just like like a small family of gamers growing it out into at some point one of the biggest networks in the world for um, the Minecraft community. Oh, wow. And then moving into publishing and finally moving into the revenue operations of publishing. Got you. And so that's what that so so because you built the community it kind of led you down the journey of let's be real, you build a huge community, it's going to lead to revenue. At some point that's the new kind of yeah, uh, terms we're living on. Look at Mr. Beast, look at some of the biggest uh, innovators and creators. Not only on the top of the creative, but they also can pivot that into directly into businesses, ideas, etc. cuz they have the distribution. They have the eyeballs, the ears. They are uh, a captive audience and uh but now, like you, but but the most important thing is what, what? Where's my revenue at? Where's my money at? Because a lot of businesses, you know, now especially now with the interest rates hiking here in America, uh, uh, worldwide, uh, you know, businesses have to be tightening in some way, as well as just wanting to track down where is this at? Where am I at daily so that they can spend correctly, uh, uh, appropriately? And I think that's the biggest thing. So, what led you down this journey of creating assertive yield? What what was the first starting place? So it pretty much all started at a difficult time like we have right now where mm. like we were operating those online portals with those communities and generating revenue through advertisement and otherwise. Um, and one of the big partners was shutting down in the business, but this partner was generating 70% of our revenue. Oh, and wow. from one day to the next one, we basically went, our revenue plummeted to half. And Yes. Yeah, we had to kind of survive. We had to make changes to it. So we right. decided, okay, we have to go with more advertisement. Um, but 
having communities that those communities basically started to revolt against more advertisement mm. because they don't understand that um of course like okay revenue cut in half companies no longer profitable but has right. to survive right and so you gotta run some ads you gotta you gotta you, you gotta <laughs> survive baby we gotta we gotta you know at the end of the day let's just be real that's the the name of the game we're seeing it right now a ton of advertising co companies uh, unfortunately firing people because they have to survive let's just be real facebook meta a variety of large companies um and so so getting back into that so survival mode obviously and then you have the idea of hey wait there's all this revenue to be tracked out there on businesses and where is it at and how, how can i track it down uh so so where does that start from where, how do you start with that process basically like we had the issue that we were increasing the amount of advertisements on the pages but it would hurt our user retention mm. So step-by-step, step, users would no longer come as frequently. In some kind of cases where it's a bit more niche, they would revolt and completely abandon wow. and never return. Got you. So at this point in time, we basically decided, hey, previously in the gaming world, what we did is we, we would understand what our user lifetime value is. If we made a change to the system, we would know and measure how much impact it had on the user lifetime value. Right. So why can't we do the same thing in this kind of world? And we searched around for any kind of products and tools that could help us achieve that, but there was just nothing on the market that could do it. So we set out to build it internally for our in-house use initially um, to be able to understand, measure user lifetime value and use that information to drive decisions on how can we squeeze more out of it. Because businesses, that's the biggest, one of the biggest concerns they're having right now. At the end of the day, yeah. you, you want to overspend for a user? You don't want to under, underspend for a user, but you need new customers. In every business, you always need something new to come in, uh, either to place that old, maybe they have a 70%, you know, someone revolts, like you said, they're completely gone due to the sentiment of the brand, due to the sentiment of the company, decisions, data, et cetera. Your, your data privacy is a big one right now for advertisers and users um, learning more about that. Uh, man, shit, a lot of these companies, you start talking on the phone and next thing you see ads for it. You know what I mean? They, they got access to your phone uh, uh and and obviously that pushback has happened for a few years now um you know with apple making changes and with all these you know things basically being aware of uh to where hey you know maybe they don't have as much advertising dollars because they don't have as much people on meta or active users like you said using it every day but that doesn't mean there's not a new user that could come on the platform for meta they're actually seeing that more younger users are coming back on meta uh facebook uh, and Facebook obviously has to have a strategy to, hey, get more young kids on to compete with TikTok and to compete with, you know, uh, or obviously figure out using their own data. Hey, where's the new customer? Because they can't only count on the same person that was there yesterday because sentiment could change. Things could change. And uh, so it's really good point. What types of businesses did you find that the, the outside of when you first had it for yourself, obviously, and you proved a good testing ground? What were some of the types of businesses that you started to kind of reach out to or what what was the next step after that? Did you think it was going to actually be a business? It's on its own? No, at this point in time, it was just like internal usage. But right. having starting to collect so much data, there was always the question in the room, what else can we do with this data besides the use cases we already had? What would other industry experts do with the data? Um, because at this time, we were not fully that much like experts in this industry we had like a few years of experience but nothing compared to some that have been like in the industry for 20 years or longer so we basically spoke with other people within kind of like the industry itself to understand 
hey, what would you do if you had this kind of data? Mm. What value do you think we could drive from it? And this was kind of where kind of this kind of product market fit would form and we would understand, hey, actually, these people have not really seen this granularity of data, this real-timeness of data. Um, they don't even know what to do with it yet on one side, but at the same side, they had very good ideas. Hey, I've been doing this, but data was always lacking. I couldn't do it to my full potential. Mm. Um, so they got really interested in this kind of product and all of the data behind it. Um, also becoming curious, what can I do with it? And this was basically when every other call or every second call or something, people were so interested that they just wanted to use it to um, dig through the data and see what they can find. If they can find certain trends or something they can use and capitalize on to make changes and benefit. It's kind of like uh, like the chat GBT tool that's being released right now where everyone's kind of playing with it and figuring out exactly how they can use it and apply it in their business. If you're not, you're, you know, you're, you're missing the ball because it's kind of like the Google search. It's kind of like, we don't know exactly how it's going to benefit each person. Obviously there's trends and things you can do, but you're right. Like, I think it's, um, for many of us, we don't know until we start figuring out and playing with it and learning about our customers. And sometimes we've never even known some of these businesses, you know, because this data has been so all over the place. It never in one place where you can just log in and say, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. Um, uh, you know, that was, I remember the beginning of digital where you could actually start saying, Hey, this is how many people saw your, your advertisement on, on digital versus broadcast television, where it was like, I don't know exactly how many, it's all estimates and it's all, they still don't know exactly how many people are leaving and, and turning the channel and doing all these things. Unlike your digital ads, where you have much more understanding about that cons uh, customer or consumer, what they're doing, you know, and it was a, a transformational change. I think that's where you guys are at now. Obviously even, you guys are a huge company now uh, from when you started, but even more and more businesses need to take this seriously, obviously, you know, because from small, medium to large, um, you know, uh, if you don't understand this, if you've taken uh, blessings on all this good money that's been coming in, hey, shit could change, guys. Let's be real. It could change in one call uh, or, or one, one change to the platform or one sentiment change. And to not know this data uh, or to not be in front of this data is, is, uh, it's kind of like, like I said, not Google searching or something like that in today's day and age. So take me into what, Nils, are the, some of the top clients or customer uh, categories of businesses that once you started getting out there, they just resonated with more than others? Yeah, so you mentioned Facebook a couple of times. And For sure. They are basically kind of two types of customers on the internet that operate through advertisement. One is like we kind of closed ecosystems like Facebook. They build everything in-house. They do everything themselves. They have their own marketing platform, advertisers book directly. Right. And then there's more of this kind of open internet where we have all of the different editorial publishers, uh, like the newspapers and so on, any kind of online tools, independent stuff. Um, where all of the advertisement is more like, it's more like a aquatic and big kind of ecosystem and this is the part where we are in basically so we are like on the open side gotcha. and we work with those publishers be it newspapers be it um combinations of a lot of small publishers combined under one kind of network or be it things like online dictionaries and similar mm. and or also things like uh booking platforms and otherwise that do not only make booking, revenue yeah. from advertisements gotcha. but also have their own internal promotions of products listings and so on and where we really come in and it's very different for every specific kind of 
publisher or a media company in this kind of field. Um, it really depends on what their core structure is, what the core team is that is using the product and so on. Like right. at the end of the day, what we basically bring them is data. Mm -hmm. And it really depends on what their goals are and right. how they utilize this data. But in the end, like the, the core about the entire system is bringing data from multiple sources all into one place, creating a single source of truth. So mm -hmm. instead of relying on like multiple third party systems that all track the data Confused in a bit of a different way and right. it doesn't combine well right and providing this in real time so if like mm. an incident is happening they know immediately what has happened if there's something needed for troubleshooting we can check immediately we don't need to wait many hours wow. um so it's really about helping these kind of online publishers make more out of their revenue understand more deeply what is going on the entire revenue operations um but also at the same time keeping the user in mind understanding mm. what impact does all of this have right. on my end user yeah is this change yeah it was great in revenue but actually um our user retention reduced because of it it, it went down so right. should we really go this path or should we try to find a better middle way right yeah because that's the fine line i mean at the end of the day you can serve ad 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 ad, ad on your uh, but are they going to come back to just be seeing ads every day you know what i mean i think that's been the downfall somewhat of the facebook platforms and meta as even a social media company that I love being able to, to advertise in all these different places, but it somewhat cannibalized it when it was like, damn, every three posts now, like every two posts now. I mean, and then the, once they started getting into your data, people were like, what the hell? I was just talking about Yosemite and now I'm seeing Yosemite on my phone. I was just talking about this uh, product line with my, my girlfriend. Now I'm seeing it on my, on my thing. People start putting those things together. Hey, how much data does this thing really have? Um, versus back when it first started, no ads. Full user experience, obviously, it was fresh and new. Let's just be real. It's anything that's fresh and new. Obviously, we're engaged. We're we're super hyped on it. But the overall, it, it hurt the brands too because brands, when they used to put out content, would actually get to their to the people that followed. So if you had a hundred thousand followers, you'd actually reach a, a good amount of those people organically. Now, much harder for that hundred thousand followers to reach the same amount organically on that platform because obviously, you know, they change the algorithm. They just make a few little tweaks and. Hey, they used to get 10%. Now you get 5%. Hey, you used to get 5%. Now you get 2%. Uh, pushing you to do more ads, pushing you to obviously do more stuff. You could still, you know, get viral and still get lucky and do contests and, and amazing things. But on Instagram, it's happening right now. For the last two years, tweak, tweak, tweak. You used to get 100,000 uh, likes on your photo. Now you're getting 50. Now you're getting 10,000. Uh, you know, and it affects, it affects the industry, but there's always going to be that new thing. You know, and I think tried and true uh, where you guys synergize too is anyone that's building an online following or an online platform that has a lot of daily active users is going to possibly want to monetize that. And that's where you guys follow in with many new content creators might just decide, hey, we don't need TikTok. We'll just do uh, charliedemilio.com and you guys come here to find all my content. And next thing you know, she's a customer of you. You know, I think anyone that's basically creating content on these you would call them closed platforms at some point might want to leverage. Hey, let's just get you guys to have a direct relationship with me, you know, cut through all the algorithms and cut through all that. And then obviously either have paywalls or have advertising to support it. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. If you can get like chat GBT, a hundred million users in a, in a, a month. I mean, they did it differently, but it's the same idea. It's the same idea. Some of these people have, 
30, 40 million people on their different platforms. They could just talk about it. Hey, I'm on charliedemilio.com now. Check all my exclusive content. That's where I think you know you guys even play bigger because beyond just the traditional publishers, you have this whole level of influencers that have their stuff draining down on the on the free algorithms and the the the, the if you call it free and loose money uh, or free and loose uh, impressions of eyeballs, they tighten that down. They slowly, you know, so where you're not getting the same, hey, why not drive them to your own thing where you have full access, you have full, and I think that's where you guys even play bigger with the publishers because pretty much anyone that's an influencer is a publisher. I mean, there's so much a publisher, they're competing against eyeballs for CNN and for the biggest publishers are all competing against a, a content creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us. So that's good for uh, you guys. That's good for you guys because I, I mean, more of those people are going to need the, the 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 your services to help them because they, I guarantee you, someone's going to get smart and they're going to say, "Hey, we let's let's control the algorithm on our own." After you've built such a big distribution, kind of like Mr. Beast has. Are you familiar with Mr. Beast, the YouTuber? Not in detail, but okay, yeah. So he's just basically a, a large YouTuber does great stuff, but then he he's pivoted all that stuff into a lot of different businesses. You know what I yeah. mean? And because you have the the voice. Um, so I think that's where you guys even play bigger too, because there's so many different, essentially indiv independent publishers that are going to be coming on board. I think they're getting more and more. I've heard, I've heard about this as a trend. Um, so, but there's also at the same time, I'm still the trend that it is for those publishers getting more and more difficult also right. to acquire and build out the audience. Right. So like the entire audience development of these kind of open, internet market publishers right the uh, acquisition cost and the audience development cost is also really becoming more and more expensive mm. um but that also plays into the role and the direction of it having all of this data and deep understanding of how much revenue does every single user generate which one is a high value user which one is a low value user right. also comes into play and basically understanding let's say for example we can grow our audience we can work on growing our subscription base by advertising on facebook getting people from facebook using those ads yep. um to the website yep. getting them to subscribe getting yep. them to read content come right. back and so on um all of this of course there's still money being spent on facebook and the cost of acquisition but of right. course if you can get this user to stay and stick around long term then there can be a big upside but all of this kind of entire game of getting and building this audience has also becoming more and more difficult and expensive right. as content is getting more and more cheap to produce yeah more and more overload and content overall right like um, everyone's pushing everyone's posting everyone's yeah. doing everything <laughs> yeah everyone's at full tilt on all on all levels uh Especially now with, like you said, AI tools. There's so many different things that, that, that people are using now to create content. I I, I find myself it's just a great tool uh, uh, as a sidekick to help me brainstorm and create content. And uh, But, dude, I, I love your business. I think it's incredible. And, obviously, anybody that's a traditional publisher, guys, please, advertising agencies, get your customers to think about this and listen about uh, – to learn more about this because you can go and spend a million trillion dollars on – beautiful ads and beautiful things. But if you don't know who you're actually reaching and how it's impacting them with your ads, uh, you're missing the ball. But my man, we're about to now get you into our top 10. Are you re ready, my man, Nils? Let's go. Let's go, he says. Apple or Android? Android, mostly. Android, Netflix or YouTube? 
Oh, it depends on the kind of content. Um, yeah, it does. Educational content, YouTube, entertainment content to basically just shut off Netflix. Right. Netflix is, is a content machine. Uh, Instagram or Facebook? Unfortunately, neither. Or neither. <laughs> but you're on LinkedIn, though. Neither. You're on LinkedIn, though, I saw, though. LinkedIn, yes. Yeah. It's LinkedIn. neither for work. We're going to put the LinkedIn in, our, on, on, in the show notes. Chicken or steak if you're thinking about a good meal? If it's fantastic quality steak. The best steak in the world, baby. We're going for the best, baby. We're dreaming big. Uh, laptop or smartphone? Laptop. Laptop. Clearly. You yeah. get way too much done on a laptop. They still haven't figured out the uh, like the, the 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 incredible like keyboard laptop that hooks up to your smartphone and you can just bust out. Because I think that's the missing factor. The, the keyboard, that experience. When they figure that out, that's the next big company. Uh, Spotify or Pandora? Uh, Deezer, actually. Deezer, what's so, that? Tell us about that. Is that a, is that a Netherlands? It's, it's a Europe, European a competitor Europe. to Spotify, like oh, wow, another okay. company. Nice. So it's they have pretty the much the same. Got you. Yeah, it's incredible what you can get now with the. Back in the day, we used to have to go get the CDs when they drop, and you'd have to get the physical, you know, drop. Now it's just like everything's right there. Whatever you want to listen to, anything you want, and I, I believe all these those companies will eventually compete with YouTube. They will eventually have video as part of the bandwidth. And I think that they will all want content creators to also put their videos on there. And they'll be a mm -hmm. big competitor to YouTube. So YouTube, better watch out, boys, Google. Better buy somebody. Uh, movies or video games? Movies. Movies! Yeah. Video games are too addicting, too, for, for a lot of uh, successful entrepreneurs. Because then you just want to compete. And then you're like, oh, shit, I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work done. I got to get done. Um Listening to books or reading books? Clearly reading books. Reading books? Get the physical? Do you, do you mark up your books? Do you, uh, uh, what do you do after your book? Do you, do you look at them? I don't mark up, but I sometimes write summaries after every chapter. Oh, wow. That's good. To your, own, your own summary. Yeah, basically bullet yeah. point summaries. Yeah. yeah, that's smart because then it's your own words. That's a good point. I, I've never had someone say that. That's a really good point. Write your own summary at the end. Not just their summary. Write your own summary. I like that. Stocks or real estate, if you're thinking about investing, uh, diversifying the portfolio. In my opinion, both is needed. Like, to If you really want to diversify, you need both and some other things as well in the mix. Get um, the crypto in there too. Maybe a little cryptocurrency. Time-wise, yeah, crypto too, to some degree. But uh, in terms of time spent, uh, stocks over real estate. But, easier easier to get in and out of is the best part about yeah. stocks, right? Like you don't have to necessarily have like a 30, 60 day timeline and all these different paperwork alone just to get, just to sell something in real estate is crazy, but you're right. I mean, you the, the, the combination and you can also invest in real estate different ways now with uh, fractional real estate and some of these things like that. So you don't only have to do it just with big money. You can just get started small with like Fundrise or something like that too, just with small money to learn, to learn about it. Um, uh, I think you're absolutely right. If you're going to take a vacation today, my man, you're done with work. You're going somewhere fun. Oceans or lakes? Which one are you going to choose? Oceans, definitely. Which ocean are you going to go to? We're out, baby. You can enjoy a, uh, a pina colada at your favorite ocean. Where are you going to go? Tough to say, but since I'm based in Europe, probably Spain is the closest. Ooh, nice. Beautiful. Like Barcelona, these oceans are beautiful. I've seen on uh, some of the... Uh, we went to Italy, but I was had some. There, there's just incredible oceans out there. Incredible oceans. Uh, 
when you're waking up for your day, my dude, you're getting ready, pumped, energized to run the companies, pumped, energized to, to uh, hop on the podcast, the B-Real show. Why do you love being you? Why do I love being me? Yeah. That's not an easy question to answer. It's not um, an easy question. <laughs> but we love you coming on the show. So I always ask the question, why do you love being you? I mean, I'm really happy with the entire thing of building up this company, the day-to-day -day process. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it also means weekends and other things. But right. for me, it's just it's not just work. It's actually like a basically hobby at the same time. Um, I didn't go into it because of uh, making money out of it or something like the first company started while I was still in school. I did it because it was a hobby for me. Right. I was able to scale it to actually produce money. The next company started as an investment. But again, I did it because I like doing it. Um, and now with this company, it's the same thing again. Yeah. Like I got a bit bored of the previous stuff. This right. was something new and interesting. And yeah, now going to see where we can take it. We're going to take it to the moon, baby. Assertive to the moon, baby. We're going to the moon. And back. Uh, do you, uh, do you have a routine on starting your day? Do you have like a routine that you go about your day to get, to get going? No, not directly. So just a normal morning routine. Yeah. Nothing special. Right. Everyone has a different kind of routine. So I always ask that one too. Do you, is there a skill that you're trying to master? Is there something you're trying to get better at right now? Managing my time better. I would say that's a hard thing about do. getting more breaks during the day. Right. <laughs> How do you try, to, how yeah. do you try to do that? Do you do it with the schedule like a, a, a like a, a calendar or do you have it like on your phone? How do you, how do you manage your day specifically? I put focus time blocks in it and I oh, try to book meetings for shorter and so to have breaks in between. But um, right. I still end up with meetings within the focus time and I still end up with meetings that go completely over time and into the next meeting or four have a break in between. Right. It's <laughs> so the hardest it's, it's thing not to easy. Do. They say the the easiest thing to do sometimes is to grow the business. The hardest thing to do is to say no, because yeah. sometimes like <laughs> smart growth and all these different things and like that. And then I think finding talent to replace the things you hate. Those two, I think are like how you get Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and some of the greatest entrepreneurs. They are hella smart with their time. And then they also find people to do the things that they hate doing. And they, they, they just do good at it. I mean, I'm sure it has a lot of challenges too. I can only imagine. Um, is there a tool or an app that helps you run your business? I would say the tool I use the most is just Excel sheets. Oh, putting yeah. Putting things in there. When right. I make a decision about something big, I usually create an Excel sheet and yeah. put in all the pieces of information to collect data. Excel is the best, man. Excel is the absolute best. It's incredible the formulas you can create and then replace. And I remember learning about that when in, my, in college, they taught us that like in a whole like class about Excel. It was just like the beginning of like learning. Wow, this is cool. Beyond just plus and minuses, you can create a template and a formula and then you can use it to manage, like you said, a lot of data, a lot of input stuff that would take a lot of time to calculate too. So it helps the uh, the experience both not only as a user, but then also take that data and then show it to somebody. Hey, this is your, this is your plan for your social media or this is your customer's input. Uh, take a lot of data and then put it in a one, you know, nice, nice little sheet for them. If you, my man could sit down to a lovely steak dinner with anyone in the world and they're flying out to you tonight. Who are you going to go sit down with today? I always like to say Gandhi, but he's not alive anymore. So That's all right. We've, <laughs> we've had past, we've had past people. I would love this. That would be incredible. Gandhi's uh, uh someone that uh obviously stands the test of time. 
So yeah, let's just be real. Uh, the things that he, uh, he practiced and preached stand the test of time. So uh, uh, that would be an incredible uh, meal. I don't know if he eats meat or not, but you guys would have a, a maybe a vegan meal or some curry or something good. Uh, and then last question to you, my dude, is is there a book that you either reread or that you just sticks to your soul? You just you just love it. Now, one book I always go back to, but now it just the name just doesn't ring up. That just always happens. Name it's, dude, it's not. I, we know you've read it a hundred times. I, it's always happens to me too. Where I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, what's it called? No, but I forgot the name, but it's basically about never negotiating a deal. Oh, nice. Never negotiating. So it's a negotiation book. Like, or basically like when you negotiate, never to give in. And Ooh. Uh, it's from like um, uh, a nice. hostage. Um, oh, got you. People that, from someone that would basically resolve hostage situations and oh, about yeah. their negotiation tactics. Wow. I think I've actually, is it, is it, his name's Chris maybe, or I've, I've heard of, a, I think I heard of I that forgot book. about it. I, That's a good point, I, though. Never I, give I, in, I, folks. We always <laughs> say we go too cheap on our prices, but never give in. If you know your value, set that value. You know that value. My dude, Niles knows his value. Uh, where's your favorite place uh, for people to learn more about the business? Because we want to put that in the show notes as well. The best place would probably be the website itself, assertofyield.com. Got you. Assertofyield.com, folks. We're going to put that in the show note. Dude, I appreciate your soul, your energy, your passion for life. This business is just in the infancy, brother. I'm telling you, you have a whole nother level of people that are going to be are publishing more on their own. And then also more and more of the traditional publishers are going to start to go, what the hell am I doing? And they're going to have to hop on board too. So you're in the driver's seat, my dude. Enjoy the rocket ride. Uh, folks, you've been hanging out with my dude, Nils Lynn and Travis Tutal and Huff. We want to thank you again for your time today. And let's keep being. What another epic episode. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode today, can you please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast, The Be Real Show, on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. And also take a little time today, if you don't mind, and give your boy T Huff a review. I would really super appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening today. We're all going through a lot right now. And real-time outsource, my business, is giving back to local and small businesses. Through our social media services and campaigns, we are actually helping small businesses get more exposure during these times and also when we get through these times. At the end of the day, we don't know how long this is all going to last, but most importantly, you got to think about your business right now. Take it seriously. So come check us out at realtimeoutsource.com, realtimeoutsource.com. And we would love for you to qualify and get the process started where we can take a look at your business and see if we can qualify you for some of our services um, at uh, little to no cost for most of the businesses. And uh, and and some businesses, you know, you're going to have to pay, but that's just part of life, right? But most importantly is that I think this is the time, folks, that you can actually help thrive in your business. And so I would love to help you personally with our team. We're all going through a tough time right now. So take advantage of us, realtimeoutsource.com. Check us out, and we would love to do some business with you and help you with your social and digital media in 2020 and beyond.